Welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 391 of Elijah Fire. Today is Wednesday, February 21st, 2024. Um, I want to issue out the bat signal, the proverbial bat signal, the Elijah Fire signal uh, for illumination. Um, I, I know that you guys have been well aware that she's been under the weather, but just be, keep praying for her. Keep sending her love. Uh, let her know you're praying for her because um, we want her back in fighting shape. Um, this, you know, sickness is going around. It's not fun. So, um, yes, pray for her, encouragement for her, all that stuff. Let her know you're thinking about her. Um, yeah, I know that she'll really appreciate that. Um, she's not here today, so she's going to be like, oh, oh, hearing that. So, um, guys, anytime you donate to ElijahStreams.com slash donate. Those proceeds go towards keeping this free at five days a week. And we love free, right? We love it. Um, but also it allows us to hire people. Like we just hired Eric. I mentioned that yesterday. Uh, and we'll do formal introductions further down the road. But um, uh, that allows us to bring in new people. And I'm just super excited because I'm like, we are able to like actually implement ideas I've been sitting on for so long. So um, I am very excited. So uh, those donations allow us to do stuff like that, it allows us to grow, allows us to expand our horizons, bring in new types of content. Uh, but we don't stop there. We said, you know what, wait, let's take it a step farther. And by we, I mean Steve, but you know, we're collectively part of this ministry. Um, and we do water wells. We dig water wells. We do a new freshwater well every three days around the world. Uh, and it's just been amazing. They just got back from a trip to Uganda uh, where it all started for them. Uh, for us. And um, Steve had a lot of great testimonials. And you, if you saw Monday's episode of Elijah Streams, he detailed that and talked about some testimonials and meeting people. And uh, it's just been amazing, you guys. And so I'm just so grateful for uh, your guys' donations, your belief in this ministry. Uh, so without any further ado, we're going to play a video and then we're going to get going. Many people do not have access to safe, clean water, which is why we have made it our mission to help change that. It takes time, prayer and research to identify the right locations for new water wells. As we discover a village that could use clean water, we travel there to get to know the people. We cover a lot of ground and spend countless hours on our way to visit the unclean water sources and back again as we search for the ideal spot for the new well. The exciting part comes next. The surveyor confirms that the water is present and then the drilling team is mobilized. Water eventually springs forth. The community's happiness explodes. A realization that sets in and know that God has heard their cry for help. Following the completion of the well and the installation of the custom sign, a celebration praising and thanking God is held. Many come to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Destinies are being changed around the globe, one clean water well at a time. Donate online at ElijahStreams.com donate or mail a check today to Elijah Streams, 525 2nd Avenue Southwest, Suite 629, Albany, Oregon, 97321. So thank you guys again for those donations. I have one more piece of housekeeping before we jump into today's episode. Uh, on Saturday, which is the 24th, 
we are releasing our next teaching series that we did in podcast form, and that is Marriage 101. And that was Lauren and myself joined each episode by another couple, uh, all with very different backgrounds. And that's the amazing thing about hearing people talk about how they met, the process of going through marriage, all the ups and downs, all the messy stuff, all the good stuff is um, it's going to, you're going to be able to glean something from everybody. And something I often say is a lot of the principles the Lord showed me about generating a healthy relationship with my wife and a healthy marriage are principles that can translate into platonic relationships, not just romantic ones. And, um, and so we love, my wife and I love talking about marriage and relationships uh, but we also love hearing other couples uh, share their stories as well. So all three of those episodes are dropping on Saturday and they're worth your time, whether you are married in a relationship or single. So uh, check that out. All three episodes drop on Saturday. All right. Uh, without any further ado, uh, I had this guest on two weeks ago and it was so dynamite that we said, let's do another one. So uh, this is from feminist to feminine part two. My guest, she is a wife, a mother, and an author authoring most recently her first ever book, feminist to feminine. Even I read it and it is fantastic. So even if you're a guy, it's really worth your time. I think that it, it's really insightful, um, uh, just kind of shining a light on a lot of, um, things out of alignment within our culture and, um, specifically as they pertain to men and women. And, um, Justice does an amazing job going through this. It's a great introduction, introduction, introductory book to read in regards to this topic. Um, and uh, so, anyways, I'll stop talking without any further ado. Let's get up for our guest today, Justice and Lokeel. Justice, welcome. Hi, I'm so excited to be back. Welcome. I can't believe it was two weeks. Uh, it was two weeks ago. It, I, it literally felt like a few days ago. Yeah, for me, it feels <laughs> like it was longer ago. I don't know why. It's been really fast. Because you were sick, right? I was. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like that. It's like a time warp. All of a sudden, yeah, like things that were that happened a week ago sound like three weeks ago and so on. So yeah, we'll blame it on the sickness. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So how has it been though? I mean, two weeks, it's been two weeks about, or has it been three weeks since you released your book? Oh my gosh. Yeah, there's, I know. That, there's my mental time warp. Um, go, go to your Instagram and just yeah, read her book. I couldn't even now. tell you. I think it was, um, I think it's actually been a month oh, Okay. since the pre-release. Oh, okay. You know what? Yeah. Go on my Instagram. And... Yeah. Yeah. And you can <laughs> get the exact date for all you stickers yeah. out there. Yeah, exactly. So how's it been though? Like, I mean, have you gotten any feedback from people? Yet? Yes. I've gotten some really encouraging feedback and that's been really, really exciting. Um, if you have read it and you haven't left an Amazon review, I would love to hear what you thought about it. Um, a star rating on there i mean like people watching but you know what you too jeff <laughs> i well that, that's why because chris actually asked me to because i mentioned oh I read it. he's gosh. like you can write it i was like yeah no problem and then life happened i so i'm gonna write a note right now <laughs> to write um, but yeah i've heard like some really encouraging feedback from people and i think it's one of those reads that's better to like take your time going through specifically for a woman. Like mm -hmm. I think it might be different as a man, um, but to just take your time and like really allow the Lord to deal with things in your heart and your spirit and your mind. Um, and so I think it's one that I'm going to be starting to hear 
even more about as we move forward. Yeah. But I think a lot of people, a lot of my friends that I've talked to, they're still like really in the middle of it. And so they're not ready to write their Amazon review yet. But if yeah. you are, <laughs> if you're one of those, I would love to read what you have to say. My sweet mother-in-law, um, you know, she's in her seventies. And so the book is really, it's for women of all age, ages and walks of life. But I really want to get it into the hands of younger women because yeah. I wish that I would have had this like, you know, as I was going through college, maybe even high school. Um, but it was really cool because she said she got so much out of it. And my mother-in-law is like such a sweet lady, but she's also not one to sugarcoat or to lie. So she's she not going to mince words. No, which yeah. I, which is part of what I love about her. And mm -hmm. so she was like, justice, this like really like spoke to me. And she just like went through all the different things. And, and that honestly was like my favorite um, response that I've gotten because she's someone that I really admire and look up to. And yeah. she's in her seventies and she got a lot out of it. And wow. so that was really, really encouraging. That's quite the testimony. Cause you know, yeah. sometimes people are like, Oh, I've been there, done that. I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm in my seventies. I don't need to worry about, you know, yeah. I don't need to worry about this. Yeah. And what was cool is she was saying that she remembered when all of the radical feminist, you know, in the second wave, of radical feminism was starting and she remembers kind of getting swept into different elements of it. And I thought that was really interesting because I haven't experienced it firsthand. I wasn't alive. Um, so it was, yeah. I was glad to hear from someone who was there that, you know, I represented it. <laughs> correctly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, honestly though, justice it is, and I'm not just tooting your horn. Like it is really well-written and it is yeah. very like you're, you know, you come at this from a very intelligent, level but also very vulnerable and i think that the marriage of those two things um you just your your uh your every all of your arguments and your thoughts on it are very very thought out um and so it's not i don't i don't feel like you produce or you present anything that's half-baked in, in it Even just from my perspective i was like yeah this is a go justice like, this good i'm a like classic overthinker so while I was writing it, I was like debating out the different sides of arguments in my head. And then when I went back through it, you know, I had to read it however million mm -hmm. times <laughs> to edit it. I was like, oh no, what about this argument? And there was a certain point where I was like, you know what, Lord? Like, this is on you. This is yeah, not it's me. okay. I mean, not everything in a book is going to be perfectly thought out. Like not everything is going to be this perfectly like, and I have a beginning and a middle and an no. end and a final like stake in the ground for my, you know, not everything is going to be, but you do have these moments of just like, almost like, uh, I don't know if musing is the right word, but like you kind of, yeah, yeah. like you're like, what about this? And there's this and this, you know, um, that's just yeah. opportunities for further expansion um, yes. Yeah. yes but what's great though is that you do at the end of each chapter you have you ask really thought-provoking questions based off of stuff that you presented or communicated and then there's like little journaling spots those are my people. favorite part of the book um now now i know what some of you are thinking you're like jeff you don't know me i'm a journaler all right <laughs> and, uh, uh page two-thirds of a page are not going to cut the mustard for me so uh, you fixed that problem for people and you did this. Boom. It's a journal book combo. And it's a it's a rifle paper rifle paper journal and pen. They're like top of the line journaling quality. Mm -hmm. Um so it's like feels nice to write with them. Yeah. 
and yeah, the journal right. has really it's like a really perfect amount of like space between the lines so you can get a lot on every page but not too much you know mm. there so we it's go like a nice journaling experience so uh everybody links in the description to that we'll talk about it at the end too i just wanted to point that out now just in case people are like whoa you really you guys sold me uh i need to buy this now so <laughs> there you go you can buy it right now while you're listening so um so i'm curious uh i meant to ask you this last time as you were researching and all that was there anything that surprised you as you were going through your research and, and development of this book i'm curious yeah probably a lot that surprised me um one of the things that surprised me were the quotes from like founding feminist women um about like their hatred for men because that is the surprise of no one <laughs> that was surprising to me yeah, oh, yeah, that's, yeah as someone who came from embracing feminism and thinking like this is a good thing and men can be feminist and it's not anti-man it's pro-woman like why wouldn't mm -hmm. you be pro-woman mm -hmm. um and so seeing that like from the very beginning these women hated men they uh i have several quotes in the book about this one of them is um, I can't remember. I think it was Jermaine Greer who said that we needed to reduce the population of men on earth to 10% of what it is. Jeez. So essentially calling for either a genocide or a eugenic genocide, which I think is similar. Sure. Really yeah. bad, um, of men. And I was like, wait, what? This is not, that's, that's not a solution. <laughs> um, another one was saying that the testosterone is a poison which I think uh, we're really seeing the effects of that mindset in society today. I'm hearing guys say that. Yeah, yeah. I had friends, um, you know, I was, I went to, I lived in Los Angeles for seven years and I went to college there. Mm -hmm. So I was very much involved in like young people culture there. Yeah, and I it's pretty, uh, it can be kind of volatile. Yeah, yeah. and uh, there, there were a lot of guys who would say that they were feminists and it, I thought it was cool at the time. And, um, looking back and looking at their lives and kind of like with a different perspective now, I'm like, Ooh, I don't think that like produced good fruit in their lives. I don't think that produced life. I don't think that produced joy, um, confidence, like happiness, success, connection to God, any of those things. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's sad. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's interesting that you say that because I remember on our very first episode and I like right after I said it, I was like, what? You don't mean that uh, is uh, I'm an outward processor. And it was one of my first <laughs> episodes and I was still learning how to measure myself. But I remember you were talking about I think it was like first or second wave where it was very I mean, it, there were a lot of altruistic things about it, you know, um, the right for women to vote and yeah. all of that. Um, and so I was like, in that regard, I said, I am a feminist. And I was like, I don't, I don't, I'm not, <laughs> I don't like that. Yeah. I said that, you know, <laughs> it came out of your mouth. It did not feel right. Yeah. It's, but I, that's the classic case for me as an outward processor is I constantly say totally things and I'm like, Oh, wait, come back. Um, same. Yeah. 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 You get it. So, uh, but no, I mean, even I had said it at one point, you know, yeah. and I was just like, I, yeah, I'm, I wouldn't mean I, I don't think that that's the correct. I mean, what would you say if you were pro, like pro women, like what would be just, just saying plainly? Yeah, I'm, I'm pro woman, but like, I don't yeah. even know what, I don't I, even need know if it needs a name. Yeah. I just tell people, it also depends on 
the audience who's listening to me. Mm -hmm. um, if I'm feeling particularly like I want to stir the pot, because sometimes that's helpful to like start a discussion, um, especially if you know that you're going to be able to do so in a way that's respectful and loving, then I'll say something more provocative, like, yeah, I'm an anti-feminist. And then people yeah. are like, what? you're not for women. And I'm like, no, I'm totally for women. And they start listing things. And I'm like, no, I'm for all that. And they're like, you're a feminist. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And then I tell them, you know, feminism espouses these values and, and, you know, here are some of the feminist women that you might look up to and some of the things that they've said about men. And I love men and we need men. We need to partner with them. We need them for our happiness, for our fulfillment in life. They need us. And so, no, I'm not a feminist. Um, especially like on social media, that's like a great succinct response. Um, other times I'll say, I'll just try to avoid, you know, the word feminist at all. And I'll just say, yeah, I'm like totally pro woman. I'm just not anti-man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let the record show. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think, um, unfortunately today, especially young women think that if you say I'm a feminist that that means you're pro-woman and not oh. against men and unfortunately they don't realize the values that they're espousing by saying that they are a feminist um, yeah well I remember it was back in like 20 it's like 2016 or something like that uh it was one of many moments where I stopped un I unfollowed a lot a lot of the celebrities there have been a couple of waves yeah. of that yeah. uh, I'm like oh, I like this filmmaker I like this you know actor's work I'll just follow them because I thought they were going to post stuff about their work yeah um you know like star uh, wars or like a new album or like yeah something. yeah um uh, but i remember it was like in 2016 or around abouts there there was this infamous woman march where people were wearing like uterus hats and then like and then i was looking at it and i'm like it was a vehicle to uh, basically just promote anti-trump hatred and it, exactly. that, that's what it was and and I remember Lauren actually brought it up. She was like, because you know, she and I both were in missions that we've seen a lot of marginalized people. We've yeah. seen, we've been to places where women are actually still oppressed. Yes. And we've witnessed it for it with our own eyes. Yes. And I was just like, this is an opportunity for women to come together and rally on behalf of women who actually are oppressed, but they would much rather create fantasies of oppression and uh channel them all at trump yeah <laughs> i was just like it's, this seems really bizarre it's very bizarre and that was really um part of what started my whole process of questioning all of this interesting was the women's march and the subsequent women's marches that kind of mm -hmm. like rippled out from that mm -hmm. and i was watching um youtube videos of i had started watching the change my mind videos from steven crowder which yeah. you know he has a questionable yeah. situation going on. I actually just found out right about now. that recently. I was like, oh, wow, this is kind of intense. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I would have probably liked to know that before writing about him in my book. But uh -huh. here we are. Um, the reality is God used his videos to help get some sense back into my mind. Um, I had been on a journey of like asking the Lord to awaken compassion in me because I, I actually wasn't a super compassionate person um before that point and the lord interesting and in the process of becoming compassionate i lost my kind of bearings on truth mm -hmm. and so then i was asking okay god bring me into compassion and truth and so 
he used Steven Crowder's videos, the change my mind videos to do that. And because I was watching those videos, I was getting recommendations from other conservative influencers, you know, all on the side on YouTube. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. And so I watched some of these influencers going to the women's marches and interviewing women at the marches. And they would ask them like very benign questions and they would just like scream at them mm-hmm. um or they would be literally naked just you know wearing like you're talking about these weird hats and like just stickers on their body and you're just like hold on what does that have to do with like real women's issues mm-hmm. and all they were talking about it's like you said was donald trump and abortion and i was like i have like a real problem i have endometriosis i'm suffering i can't even get out of my bed most of the time i can't get the resources i need at my university to get through classes. I have professors who won't believe me that this is really going on. Like, can somebody speak up about this? Hmm. You know, this is, this is a real issue going on. And I'm just a young person. I know that there are people who had careers who are running into the same thing. People who are having to live on government assistance because they couldn't have a career because they couldn't work to support themselves. And endometriosis wasn't recognized as a real disability. So there's all these, like, you know, from my personal experience, I'm seeing this and I'm thinking, and I'm just one person with a problem. And I know women have a lot of problems that are unique to us and they're not talking about any of them. Hmm. And how about people who have had abortions who now have trauma and who need healing to work through that? Why aren't we talking about that? How about people who worked in the abortion industry? How about women who were sex trafficked? How about women who were a part of perpetuating sex trafficking? Women who had who chose to go into the pornography industry and then who want to get out? Like, why are we talking about these things yeah. that women? Uh, and so that that was like, if you are struggling with letting go of feminism, just go on YouTube and watch some of these videos from the women's marches, and it you quickly kind of go. Oh, I don't think I want to Yeah, I'm not that. That doesn't represent me at all. Um, Yeah, that was really helpful for me in realizing, okay, I'm definitely not that. I'm not sure what I am, but that's that's not it. Yeah, well, something that, a quote that you brought up, and I wanted to hit on this, um, It's you present it pretty early on in your book, and it's a quote from your dad, Johnny, actually. And it says, there's a ditch on either side of truth. And you present two extremes um, and that there's kind of like a narrow path in between those two ditches. So why don't you talk about that? Yeah. So that's something my dad has said to me my entire life. He would always say that to me because I I think we talked about this last time. I'm really idealistic. And because I'm idealistic, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I can get into extremes very easily because I'm like, okay, if something is true, then it's all the way. I'm going to go hard. Yeah. Yes. I'm taking it to the extreme. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if it was like a gender role or uh, even something with like women in ministry or something, I wanted to like take it to the extreme. And my dad would just remind me, Justice, there's like a ditch on either side of truth or um, a way that Bill Johnson talks about it is truth is held in tension. And so we often see like seemingly opposing ideas presented in scripture, but you realize they're actually not opposing in the sense of contradicting each other. They're bringing balance. Mm -hmm. And um, so where my dad gets this from is in Matthew. And let me see, I have it written down here. Matthew 7, 13 through 14. And it's entered by the narrow gate. Wide is the path that leads to destruction, narrow is the path that leads to life. And so I kind of have for most of my life had this visualization of like, I want to walk the narrow path in the middle 
and I want to not slide into the ditch on either side on the way because that's the wide path that leads to destruction. I don't want to get sucked into these ditches. And I found for me, often what happens, especially being idealistic, but I think lots of people can relate to this, is that you see what's in the other ditch and it's ugly, it's disgusting. You can see that it's something that is um, evil or like contradictory to the Lord, to his nature. And so you want to get as far as you can from that thing. So you hop in the other ditch and all you've done is just hopped in another ditch. And so, you know, one of those things um, for, for me growing up, I saw like I saw real misogyny, real sexism going on around me because yeah. I grew up in a homeschool community and there are a lot of fundamentalist families that we grew up with. And so I saw families where wives were literally seen as um, just like another child in the home. And so there was like tears, you know, it was like mm-hmm. the dad is it's his family. And then the wife needs to obey the husband and the kids obey both the parents. But the way that it played out was not healthy um, and, and not detail you you go into greater detail in that in your book yeah too. so yeah. people are curious about what you're meaning you go into greater detail in your book yes so. and there's even there are even teachings in those circles that women should worship their husbands and call them lord because gnarly, the wife dude. represents christ i mean yeah. the church and the husband represents christ and so it's okay to worship them therefore it's like it gets really really weird that's like um, cult vibes yes yeah yes um and so i grew up with with not not all the families i grew up with were like this at all Mm -hmm. but there was a group of them who were and they a lot of them came out of iblp if you've heard about them and there's that documentary that just came out called shiny happy people it's all about iblp and uh if if you get like nerdy into the cult stuff it's kind of interesting to look that up sometime institute of basic life principles is that yes. what it is okay yes and it gets really really weird that documentary is fascinating what um, is it on oh i think it's on amazon but okay. it might be on hulu um but it's it's really interesting so a, a really famous family that came out of that is the duggar family oh uh, yeah, yeah. The 19 okay. children so mm-hmm. yeah that's the kind of families who are part of iblp they have like a million kids again they take okay our culture has said um that children are a burden that we shouldn't want to have kids that we should live for ourselves we should be very individualistic so they saw that ditch and they hopped in another ditch therefore we're going to have as many children as humanly possible and whether we can give them enough attention enough love whether we can financially support them whether the wife's body is strong enough to be able to carry 19 pregnancies like so they kind of take it to another extreme um and that's like a teaching of IBLP. So th- that's an example of two ditches. Um, so yeah. I grew up seeing that ditch, the the fundamentalist people who, you know, I saw wives who, you know, they had to ask their husband's permission for everything, like not in a respect way. It was like, as if it was like me asking my parents, like, Hey dad, can I please yeah, <laughs> at 15, if they, if I could borrow the car, my wife is like the same thing. So yeah. I saw that and I, I hated that. I did yeah. not want that. So I was kind of primed to hop in the other ditch. Cool. Women and men are exactly the same. There's no difference. In fact, maybe women are even a little bit better and we should be running the show and anything a man can do. Women should do plus have kids. 
Well, that's, and, that's the, the end result yeah. of that thought process though, is like, if men are men and women are equal in terms of function, in terms of what they're capable yeah. of doing, women are always going to have the upper hand if you're doing that, because you're like, well, guess what? We do everything you do. And guess what? We menstruate and guess yeah. what? Yeah. We bear children, you know, and, yeah. and we breastfeed and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and it's like, suddenly it's like, that's the logical conclusion of that type of thought process is female superiority over men. But it also turns out women like don't do it as well as men do. And we just have sort of in our wealthy country created enough um, like buffer to make it appear that we do, but we don't actually do the things that men do as well as men do them. We have artificially propped up different industries and different um, women to make it appear that way. Cause we're okay, trying like to be what? pro woman. Like um, okay. So there was an interesting study that was done in Scandinavia where it was about the gender pay gap. Um, no, this is a different one. I'm sorry. This is a different one. Which we should also talk about the gender pay gap. We should talk gap. about that too. That's okay, another before one. Before we yeah. get to that though. So the, the Scandinavian test. So the Scandinavian nations are known as being some of the most um, egalitarian countries in the world. And egalitarian meaning that they view men and women as interchangeable and there's no difference of role or function or anything. And so they did as much as they could culturally to get rid of any bias towards um, feminine jobs, feminine traits, all of that to create an egalitarian society. And so when you take away um, cultural bias, all that's left is biological bias. And so you're going to make decisions based on kind of what you um, instinctually are driven to do. And they found when they did this, that women chose even more to continue into the traditionally female careers. So like nurturing roles, teaching roles, artistic roles in Scandinavian countries. So even when you try to get rid of, you know, all of the, the differences between men and women, when you take away that cultural element, biologically, women are choosing and men are choosing career paths that are more stereotypical for them. And so in the US, we have these propped up things. Um, so a lot of it comes through the education system um, and it's telling young girls, you know, you can be an astronaut, you could go to outer space. And it's like playing up these things. And because women are very influenced by, um, biologically we're very influenced by what is popular and what is being social contagion. Is that what you call it? Social social contagion. Um, We're especially affected by that um, more strongly than men are. And so because of that, if we're constantly being told to go into STEM and to go into, you know, science, tech, engineering, mathematics, we're going to do it because of this social contagion element. So it's because we're more nurturing, because we're more people oriented, we're going to choose careers that are actually contrary to what our biology and our instincts are telling us that we would like to do. And and so that's kind of some of that propping up. And the thing is, if you look at like women's health and how it has plummeted in the last, you know, 70, 80 years, there's more like ovarian and um, cervical cancer and breast cancer and more and more endometriosis, PCOS, all these things that, you know, we don't exactly know why they're, why these things happen, what causes them. But we do know that stress is like one of the number one contributors to any health issue. And so I think that's a huge thing is we are pushing ourselves to go in and do things and try to be like men and try to manifest like a masculine 
um, energy that we were not created to do. And what happens when you do that? You're going to start to crack. You're going to start to have health issues. You're going to start to have mental health issues. You're going to start to have more and more broken families. And we're seeing that. Like, it's obvious to all of us that society culture is not doing good right now. Like, yeah, people are not doing well. Yeah. Well, do you know who Isabel Brown is? Yes. Okay. Yeah. She's awesome. So she was on the whatever podcast and I wanted to find the clip uh, and I dug and I dug and I dug and I cannot remember where I saw it. If it was on Instagram or YouTube. Or I, think I, I think I've seen it. Well, there's one where she's, she's addressing a bunch of these feminists and she's painting out some statistics. And then she says, be honest. She looks at all of them and she says, are we, we've worked so hard to create this feminist utopia and we've spent decades pushing for certain things and policies. And she's like, be honest. Are, are you seeing, are you seeing that feminist utopia? She's like, yeah. things are worse now than they were before we started. And, um, she said some other stuff too. I thought it was really like a really great, just like slam dunk yeah. because she got all these feminists to agree with her. And then of course there was one that chimed at the end of her saying that and saying, well, yeah, but any, any society is going to have, you know, negative things. And I'm like, yes, but <laughs> yes, like, but, yeah, I, th I think, um, I think a lot of young women are lying to themselves about that exact thing that the, the, that the last girl came in saying, well, every society has that. And it's like, okay, we need to look at like history. We need to get outside of just our little tiny view of the last hundred years and look at the last couple of thousands of years and look at what brings human flourishing and what brings female flourishing. And that's not at all to say that we've hit that in the past in any kind of way where it's like, let's replicate it. But there's definitely things from the past that did bring flourishing that we can improve upon today. And so that's kind of another thing that I talk about in the book. I, I use like a car being totaled as an example, but I'm going to use a house as an example. Our, the previous generation's understanding of like femininity and womanhood and motherhood, it's like a house and it's like a fixer upper. And we were gifted it. And instead of taking it and being like, there's good bones here, let's change the carpet and put in new cabinets in the kitchen, get rid of the mold. They were like, let's raise it to the ground. Let's just destroy it. And then what's the solution? Well, there is no solution, but we think we should just destroy it. We should knock mm -hmm. it down. And so feminism it is, um, you know, it's one of the critical theories if you're into like the nerdy philosophy side of this. Um, and critical theories are ideas that only criticize they don't actually bring a solution and it's so, a race like critical race theory is critical one. race theory yeah. yeah there are so many critical theories it's like it's there's too many of them actually even one would be too many <laughs> but <laughs> there's so many of them there's like critical colonial theory i don't know um it, so the idea is they look at like how we viewed womanhood and instead of finding anything from it that we can build on that you know the last 2000 to actually sorry i'm referring to like jesus life the last thousands of years mm -hmm. of women have established and built let's just get rid of all that mm -hmm. and see if there's no consequences mm -hmm. and i just think it's ridiculous for us to think that we can throw out thousands of years of grounding as women and understanding and learning who we are like we have generations who have built wisdom and and 
and like we didn't end up having these stereotypes about men and women by accident. Let me just put it that right. way. Yeah. And uh, people say, oh, well, they're created. But for the last thousands of years, we have been discovering how do we natural? what are the things we naturally fall into as men and women? Mm-hmm. And of course, we have done that imperfectly because it's a fallen world. But there's still so much that we can learn from these previous generations about what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a man and how we live that out today. So there's room for improvement always um, as society. We get to know the Lord better as the church, you know, as individuals, we get to know the Lord better. But we build on those who've come before us. And I think it's really sad that we've lost touch with that. Um And I think that's part of why, you know, even the very idea, the very foundations of understanding gender and all of that is is in question today, because people have they've said, let's take everything that we spent the last thousands of years as human beings learning about ourselves and let's start again. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's all, you know, it was all a bunch of misogynists that that did the studies anyways. And yeah, you've you've definitely heard a couple of those things. Yeah. Yeah. I do feel like. This. There is like a compassionate side of women, not just women, like I'm a very compassionate person as well, but I I just see there's a lot of policies even outside of feminism where it's like it its root is in compassion, but they have no foundation of where that the origin of that compassion, which is God himself. And yeah. so as a result, it's like I call it when people hold on to ideologies that have no foundation or they don't know the origin, it's like I call kite kite in the hurricane mm. kind of you know you're just kind of like you're gone yeah. um you're not tethered to anything yeah. um and there's this desire within our society for perfection but it translates into control yeah like we th- therefore we need to control so we see that in legislation uh we see that especially within feminism it's like oh the perfect society is in fact one that doesn't have men present in it you know, uh, and I think you and Chris both have done a great job of reiterating this point of, yes, there have been bad men, but there have been good men that rose up to resist yes. said bad man, men. Yes. And I would argue there are more good men than there are bad men. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. definitely. As a, as a man myself, knowing plenty of guys, <laughs> just, you know, no, it's, it's so true though. And I think, unfortunately, the narrative has created more bad men because, yeah. um, again, if you are constantly told growing up, you're hearing this message from culture, um, you know, you're bad and everybody like you is bad. And the way that you naturally are, the masculinity that you feel your testosterone, makes you predisposed to being bad yeah, you might turn po- out testosterone is a poison like yeah you, you might turn out kind of bad mm-hmm. um and so i think we've done like a huge disservice to men by allowing that this messaging like i know um with my son i'm gonna be extremely i already am he's only one and i'm already like so protective with the narrative that i allow around him around mm-hmm. him being a young man and i'm constantly already it probably it's just even for myself getting used to speaking that to him like oh you're such a gentleman and you're amazing and you help the ladies feel safe and oh you're protecting mama you know he, he's one but i i want to like go ahead and get these ideas in his head that he's yeah. a blessing he's mm-hmm. a blessing to the world around him mm-hmm. and um yeah I, it, again like you said for every time that an evil man has used his power to hurt others 
there has been a good man who has at least attempted to stop him. And in many cases, many, many good men who have tried to stop him. For example, you have Hitler, who is one bad man. And um, you had however many, I don't even know, I shouldn't know this number, but hundreds of thousands of armed forces who rose up to stop him. Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash give and become a partner today. Right. Okay. So millions. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, you know, it was a little late. And so there were huge repercussions to this one evil man rising up, but there were however many amazing men. And that was an amazing generation. If you look at like who they were and their character, those men, it was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. And so men have that capacity in them. And I think um, when you call that out and when you call out like that identity, that higher identity, then I, I, I really believe that's like who men will, will be. And on the other side of that, yes, men have used their physical strength, their physical um, presence to, to hurt and to control and to do evil. Evil men have, um, but evil women have used their ability to manipulate and control to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so we, we both use our strengths. They're just different strengths mm-hmm. to do evil. And we also mm-hmm. both use our strengths to do good. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's all about the narrative that we're telling ourselves with mm-hmm. men and women. Yeah, I remember just as a random thought, there was a game that was going to come out. It was an indie game uh, a couple of years ago. Actually, it was more than a couple now. It was like 2016 or something like that. Um, and uh, it was a game that looked really cool. It's sort of like, a, I don't know if you know what like cyberpunk is. It's sort of like a, like a neo-futuristic, but yes. um, kind of like got this punk edge to it. And, you know, um, but um, there was a guy and he wanted to explore a world where toxic femininity rose and everybody at first was like, Whoa, this game looks really cool. And like really uh, interesting visually. And, um, and then he got interviewed a couple of months after it debuted, like in a trailer and he talked about that. And mm-hmm. then that game just, that, it, it never got made. It got all, it got oh. completely because, because he said, I just wanted to explore a world where toxic feminine, he's like, we talk a lot about toxic masculinity, but what's the other side of that extreme. And I just wanted to explore that. And he got blasted. Like, so this is like, yeah, I mean, people, there isn't really, I mean, now there's a conversation because we're starting to see the fruit of it, but especially at the time. Yeah. It was like anybody who was trying to explore like, Hey, maybe we're swinging too far the other way. It was met with disdain and you became a cultural pariah and all of Mm. those things. There's there's a really interesting book that I read. Um, It came out right after my book was done being edited. And I was like, wow, this would have been great information (laughs) while I was writing. And it's called the end of woman by Carrie Gress. She's one of my favorite authors. And it is so fascinating. If you really want to get into more of the nitty gritty of feminism um, and the origins of it, she exposes that feminism from the very beginning was Mm -hmm. this toxic femininity was evil. Cause I always thought, Oh, it was good when it was trying to get us the right to vote. Like the suffragette movement or whatever it's called. And she exposes. And I didn't know, first of all, the feminism first started around like the 1600s and into the 1700s. And it was like the 1800s. Yeah. So it was, it was a lot sooner than, than I thought. 
and she goes into the whole history of it. And it's just like, I, I was, my mind was blown and I had done all this research for my book and I had never heard any of this. And I was like, where was this? <laughs> I <needed> her. <laughs> um, and it, it's super, super interesting. So then she goes into exposing even the suffragette movement and how much of the occult was mixed into it and how much, wow. um, just from the very beginning, you see this connection of feminism, the occult and lesbianism. And it's like this little trio that goes together and you can see like, it's such a tool that the enemy has used forever to get a hold of women. And it's and to get us off of that path of life, the narrow path of life that we're talking about. And I think part of it is because the narrow path of life is not shiny. It's not cool to the world. It's also not sensational. It doesn't make great headlines. It doesn't make you popular in social media. Um, the ditches do because people like to watch somebody doing something crazy. Mm -hmm. They like to hear people saying crazy things. Mm -hmm. But the narrow path of life is um, it's about balance. And it's not about balance in the sense of like us taking worldly things and balancing them and creating our own balance. It's about walking in sync with the Holy spirit. Honestly, mm -hmm. like that's, that's what you have to do. You have to go, okay, Lord, I see that the world is saying some things over here <laughs> about men and they're saying some things over here about women. And then you have like the trad wife movement over there. And then you have like the fundamentalists here. And then you have the extreme radical feminists over here. And it's like, Whoa, where like, where am I supposed to be walking? And I am a person, again, because I'm idealistic, <laughs> I want to find a label for myself. I want to find what camp do I belong in? I want to go there. I want to like join in with other people who are like me and realizing that most of the time, that doesn't mean that always, but a lot of the time when you are walking with the Holy Spirit and you're searching for that now path of life, you're not going to fit into these categories and that's hard because it can feel lonely sometimes of course um and that's why my dad would constantly be saying that to me because i'd be like dad i think i am a you know you know like name a category of like some theological view or name a category of some type of feminism and my dad would be like okay but be careful because you know you can fall into that ditch and i'd be like oh dad that's so annoying yeah, quit being right. annoying, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember Justice even back. Man, this was like 2019 or something. I was listening to your parents had like a podcast for a little bit, or like it was like I can't remember exactly what it was. Uh, it was like a Restore Seven podcast, or yeah. And sometimes they would do interviews, and sometimes they would just post messages of your mom or your dad doing messages. Um, and they interviewed you. And they asked you your, it's just interesting to see, like, even then there were certain things you said that you were like, I'm this. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm suddenly remembering this interview that I thought oh, yeah. since I listened to it, but I remember. Even I remember these interviews too. And I'm like, ah, but that's part of the process though. And I think it's that true. those things being able to chart that progress, yeah, people actually get to see that. They get That's to part see of why I haven't gone and removed them. <laughs> Don't. At first I was like embarrassed. I was thinking I'm writing a book about how I'm not a feminist. I have these interviews up with my parents from years ago where I'm talking about that I am a feminist 
And this mm-hmm. is embarrassing. This like, maybe this takes away my credibility. And then I was like, no. you know what? I need to embrace humility right now. And maybe that, maybe that helps somebody. And also maybe it's just good for me killing some pride in me. Just always reminding you, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> the Lord just humbling me along yeah. the way, but very lovingly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I did a couple of those interviews um, around, you know, cause during the 2016 election, I was not a Trump supporter. Oh, um, I wasn't either. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was a Bernie supporter and that's so funny to me now. Again, this just shows you like it's the I call it like hijacked compassion. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I'm compassionate, I'm empathetic, and I just felt for these people. I thought, mm-hmm. yes, like people who are in the LGBTQ community should feel loved and accepted, even mm-hmm. if I don't agree with their lifestyle. Which is true. I still believe that they, sh- they yeah. should feel loved. I think that, that is a Christian, mean- I would argue that is a yeah. Christian mentality. Yeah. Yeah. And once I started not at the expense of truth though. Yeah, exactly. Everybody, I want to say yeah. that. But... Yeah. And that's when I started studying more like political theory and political science and learning how legislation, how laws and these things kind of form like societal norms and how they affect um even, you know, we're we're seeing a huge increase right now in those who identify as LGBTQ. I think they said it's like 40% of Gen Z. That's not an organic growth at all. That is so beyond no. organic growth. Um, and why is that? Again, it's the social contagion aspect. Mm-hmm. And so when we are pushing legislation, when we are normalizing so many of these things, um, we're not we're not fixing the problem of people in the LGBTQ community um, feeling loved. It actually doesn't fix that because all of us, when we deal with rejection, we deal with pain and all of that. Like those are internal issues that we have to to deal with inside of ourselves, um, no matter who we are, whether we identify in that community or we don't. Like if we're dealing with rejection, if we're dealing with pain, if we're dealing with those things, those are personal issues that we need healing, you know, ultimately from the Lord and and maybe some professional help as well. Um and so by, quote, normalizing these things, we haven't actually fixed that problem. All we've done is made more people think, ah, here is a label, kind of like I was talking about with myself. Here's a label that is people who feel the way that I feel, um, that maybe they feel like rejected or they don't fit in or whatever. And yeah, maybe this is me. And again, especially women are susceptible to this. So it's primarily women who we are seeing these huge increases of LGBTQ. Well, do you feel like that's also like the in the women's sports arena as well? That's part of the the social contagion thing. Um, do you mean with like the so, so like trans women going into women's sports and then totally smashing records, but it's because they're biological yeah. males? Do you feel like that's also part of the social contagion thing where they're like, Well, we want to yeah. be inclusive, we want to let people in? Yeah, I'm sure that, that that's gotta be a huge element. Um yeah, that probably is because you know guys, it's not as big of an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And also, you know, if you've never heard, if you've never, maybe if a person is, um, you know, identifies as trans, they've never thought about playing sports before because they're like, yeah, that's like bigger fish to fry. Um, and then they see it in the news and they go, maybe if I did that, I would feel like fulfilled. I would feel like some of this pain I'm experiencing inside is better, is fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's also really interesting studies about the differences between women who identify as trans and men who identify as trans. So for women, it is more often social contagion and there uh, often is like women's sexuality and their sexual identity is so much more like relationally connected that it's easier for women to sort of identify as lesbians than for a man to be like, yeah, I'm struggling. So like women can kind of pivot if that makes any sense a lot easier because it's so much more emotional than it is physical. Mm -hmm. And so for men, they've discovered that a lot of times with um, being transgender, that it's actually um, a sort of sexual fetish. And I'm not surprised. Yeah. And there's a lot of really like sad studies behind that. Um, I can't remember what the book was that I read this, but there it's a, from a, I can't, oh, I can't even remember what this, this lady was a doctor of something and <laughs> I need to find out. Just some called. doctor. Yeah. She was a doctor who was an expert in this area okay. of sexuality and uh-huh. understanding um, differences between male and female brains and all these different things. And so she was talking about the differences and some of these things that we're talking about. Um, and basically, yeah. So for young women, it, the more that you're talking about this stuff, the more that you're sort of normalizing it, the more you're going to see women manifesting um, or calling themselves LGBTQ, whether that's just like being lesbian or being trans, whatever it is that it's, it's more, uh, for, for women, they might be more likely to just go, this could be a solution to like my depression or my anxiety. Whereas for a man that that's not necessarily the first thing that's going to come to his mind, even if it's been suggested, it's a bigger leap. Yeah. Well, and I think too, yeah, <clears throat> that's really interesting. I, I think um, the other thing that I was, I was thinking about is in regards to, um, and I'm totally buying myself time because I, for a moment, forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> it's right there. So I'm like, I'm doing the Michael Scott thing where you start a sentence and you have to find your way. Yeah. Don't ever. Uh, <laughs> David, here's the thing. Uh, at any time, whenever. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. So uh, office, one of the best shows. Um, but um, oh, it was right there, Justice. And it's about, okay. we were well, I was, about- well, one of the things I was thinking about is you said, um, you said something compassion, hijacked Hijack. compassion. Yeah. I actually, it's interesting. I call a lot of policy that tries to enforce this stuff, legislating compassion. So it's interesting yeah. you, where it's like, it mm-hmm. is rooted in a place of compassion where you're like, I want people to feel welcome and loved. And I want everybody to have, you know, everything and I want, um, and so it is that kind of compassion gone mad turned into legislating yeah. compassion thing where you're like, well, we, then we need to just make people. And I'm like, it's not compassion anymore. If you are making people do it, like it, it is, it, you've completely yeah. removed compassion from it. Yeah. You may have had compassion, but you can't make people want yeah. something, you know? Um, and so, oh, I remember what I was going to say what you're describing about, you know, an increase in people identifying with LGBTQ and, you know, something like 40% now, or so and I would argue like trans, it used to be like 0.0 something, but I would imagine that's probably up to like, uh, you know, single digits now, maybe more. I know. I wonder that. Yeah. But um, I saw a study. I wish I would have remembered it. I was, I, I saw a study within like the last year. Um, but um, it's kind of like what we saw with COVID where it was like, they had the death counter up there and they're only hearing a certain statistic or certain side of details. And they're not looking at it in the larger context of 
deaths versus people who contracted the virus and then recovered and realizing, oh, this is a really small percentage. But if you're just seeing the death counter and you're just being reminded yeah. of it every single time you turn on the TV or all day, some people will just watch the news all day and then fall into depression yeah. and all that. It's the same thing where it's like, if you're talking about something a lot, and this could be good or bad, by the way, um, if you're talking about something a lot, it will eventually, if that's what, that's your world and that's what you're surrounding yourself with, that's the food, the yeah. proverbial food that you are ingesting it's going to affect how you view certain things. Yeah. And we're seeing this with feminism where it's like, there's a devil behind every bush and every single man is out to get you. And as a matter of fact, you want white people, white men, straight white men yeah. are the bad guys, yeah. you know? And um, yeah, so that was what I was gonna say. Yeah, it's so true. And it's really, really sad. Um, you know, I, I think it's interesting talking about COVID with this because we, you know, you introduce this global crisis that brings a lot of depression. And so then you have young people who are feeling depressed and then you go, oh, here are the solutions though. Mm -hmm. You know, you're feeling confused. The reason you feel confused is because you're actually in the wrong body. Mm -hmm. The reason you feel confused is because men are ruining the world. Mm -hmm. The reason you feel confused is because white people hate everybody else. And are trying to hold all the power for themselves you know you start to feed in all of these lies and people go oh okay and it kind of gets them out of the pit for a little while mm -hmm. you know i think all of us probably can relate to this idea of of something that pulls us up out of the pit some hobby or some interest or something like that and i think um for a lot of of young people in gen z that's we're seeing the fruit of kind of this in many ways, a big, massive psyop with um, COVID of like, yeah. here, we're going to inundate you with like the worst news possible for two years and not let you go anywhere. And with no context. No yeah. context. And at the same time, it's the white people, it's the Christians, mm -hmm. it's the men. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, I'm all three of those. <laughs> <laughs> not a good time. Yeah. <laughs> be white, straight, male. Christian. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's. I think it was telling you last time you were on, or it was. It might have been when you and Chris were on one time. It might have been someone else, but I remember I was walking. I was just taking a walk. And it was in the morning, and there was this young woman. I don't know. She probably been in her twenties. She saw me coming, and she walked to the other side of the the road. And we're in like a like a small neighborhood with like it wasn't like a busy street. And look, benefit of the doubt. <laughs> It was the fact that it was in the morning and she didn't have her makeup on and she just didn't feel like people looking at her up close. Okay. Benefit of the doubt. But I have noticed that as a man, sometimes um, there's like this tension. I feel like I'm around certain people and I'm like, dude, I'm like the nicest guy. I promise. Yeah. And I will actually protect you. I'm the guy you want around you. If yeah. some guy starts getting crazy. Um, uh, no, Cause I, I just I, I totally this, like that. I do the same thing though. I gotta be honest. I like it's, especially the more that you hear these types of negative things about men, the more it's like on your mind. So I'm like in Walmart, like washing my back and any man that comes up, I get people constantly come up wanting to talk to Kalev, my son. Mm -hmm. And I like to think it's cause he's the cutest baby in the world, but you know, I'm a little biased yeah. and, and people are constantly wanting to come up and talk. And I'm like, 
<laughs> bulldog like okay, yeah if you touch uh, my child yeah <laughs> i will cut you um but also <laughs> yeah like if i see someone coming down the aisle i'm gonna probably keep moving you know that, yeah. and, and i think again it's the same thing like it's it's what what are the narratives that we're listening to right now and unfortunately i think that uh, it's been a self-fulfilling prophecy in some ways we've said a lot yeah. of stuff about men and it's created some bad men like what you're hearing Help us continue to make Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. To get behind this ministry, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. Now, back to the show. Okay, so this is a great segue because we were talking about this backstage. It's something I've been thinking about for a while. I don't have a ton of stats, but I did look at it a little bit today. Um, But I want to hear your thoughts on this aggressive push towards what wave of feminism are we on now? It, we're past the third wave so okay I'm not so really it's just sure. you know wave I, I think it depends yeah it yeah. depends on your uh, you know philosophy on it but we're okay so the they're wave. even confused in their yeah, yeah there's, okay. there's not agreement all right so we're we're a couple of waves in uh and uh a couple two three and um i've always been curious about this push towards okay well, well in order to elevate women we must subdue men and there's an undeniable, to me, but I want to hear your thoughts. There's an undeniable connection between that effort, those efforts within the past, what, 20 years or so, yeah. and the massive increase in male depression and yeah. male suicide. So looking at stats, men make up about 50% of the population, but make up about 80% of suicides. It's super, super hard. Like that is so sad so so sad yeah so i would love to hear your thoughts on this just why you think this is outside of the obvious spiritual the spiritual ramifications of this thing but yeah i would love to hear your thoughts well first of all even with the spiritual ramifications i think that the spiritual the supernatural realm and the natural realm are like knit together Mm -hmm. so i think it's it's kind of both and um I think there's several things going on. One of the things being like we're talking about, if men are being given this message that when women do this, this is good, but when you do it, it's bad. And it's actually like a male thing. Like when women are, um, you know, like sassy and kind of, you know, you think of like the boss babe, you know, CEO, and she's kind of uh, bratty and rude. When she acts that way, we're like, oh yeah, look at that woman. Like, she's bad and she's got it and blah, blah, blah. A man does it. We're like, uh, he's a narcissist and he is self-interested and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And so there are virtues that we say are good for women. They're not virtues. I would say they're anti-virtues that we say are good when women do them and they're bad when men do them. Um, and even if you think about like a, like a tomboy kind of girl, people are like, oh yeah, like she's so cool and she's got it. Uh, but when men are too masculine, you know, it's toxic. I think that kind of narrative, absolutely. There's no way that doesn't affect young men. Right. Um, another thing that I think is a huge contributor, and this is kind of kind of related, but unrelated, um, are chemicals and testosterone rates. So this is something Chris and I were researching when we were doing our show, Moment of Truth testosterone levels are at like an all-time low mm-hmm. and like everybody we know who are like chris and clay's friends they're all on testosterone 
um, to keep them at levels that are like, like normal, not even normal, you know, that are at like a 60 year old man's typical level. Wow. And um, so that's affecting tons of things, you know, fertility and those things. But it's also like male people do not realize male vitality is dependent on testosterone. It's like what keeps you from being depressed. It's what keeps you feeling strong, motivated in work. It's mm. what motivates you to go and actually date women so that you can find a partner. Mm. It's what motivates you to stand up and be a good man. And I think um, there are a lot of things contributing to that. I think it's similar to with women's health issues. So we have stress as a huge contributor. Another thing is hormone disruptors. So um, there are, you know, the chemicals in the food that we eat, the chemical chemicals in the products that we use are huge things. Um, the medications that people are on, I think we're also like one of the most medicated generations. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about like antidepressants and things mm-hmm. like that. All of that has a direct effect on hormone production. And so I think that's a huge thing as well, but I think all of these things are connected. And I just, I, I think it's really important for people to know that there is clearly a concerted attack against masculinity and femininity Mm -hmm. and trying in the process it's kind of pushed and put pressure on both men and women men in the direction of become more feminine and this has been a chemical attack and a physical attack and emotional and spiritual attack so Mm -hmm. it's like not only are there chemicals affecting you in this way not only are the foods you're eating making you feel more feminine not only uh are we going to demonize you when you act manly but you're also you're also a man so you're the enemy and then same thing with women. Um, PCOS increases testosterone in women, for example. And that's hmm. a huge thing that's been on the rise. And so it causes women to develop some masculine traits, which is super interesting as well. Interesting. Uh, and so you have the masculization of women and then women being encouraged to take on masculine personality traits in the workplace and masculine ways of being fruitful in the workplace. And both of us feel, both men and women, we're feeling clearly by statistics and everything empty and purposeless in life. And I think that has to be confronted. We ha- we have to, especially as believers, say we're not going to play this game anymore. We're going to, you know, step outside of the matrix, so to speak, and walk back into who did God create us to be as men and women. And I think it's going to take huge intentionality from our generation to like help get the next generation headed back on track so that in a couple generations we can be back in a place. I, I don't think it's going to happen overnight is what I'm trying to say. Right. Yeah. And I think last time you had mentioned saying like that you don't think that this big shift is going to happen in our generation, but you're yeah. looking forward to future generations and that yeah. like, if we can write this ship, the interesting thing that I keep going back to, so I'm just going to say it. Because you mentioned that study in Scandinavia about trying to make equality and that women ended up just choosing more feminine, you know, leaning professions and things like that. The interesting thing is that Scandinavia has been on the bleeding edge of a lot of studies lately for better or for worse. But (laughs) what's funny, though, is they always end up coming to like like the mask thing with COVID. They were like, so we have concluded masks don't work. And then everybody in the rest of the West was like, Huh. So what you're saying is we need to double down on mask yeah. enforcement. You know, and I'm like, like maybe we should just listen to them, you know? And so like I was kind of I was thinking about that in, in regards to that study. I'm like, 
the results were in terms of them being like, oh, okay, this is what we're going to prove that women are equal to or superior to men. And this study is going to show it. It actually proved the opposite. I mean, not, I'm sorry. That's the wrong way (laughs) concluding that it proved that they are same, but different. Like they're, you know, like they're equal, but they're different. They're not the same. We have different preferences. We have different things that bring fulfillment for us. And that makes me think of the um, gender pay gap study also. Yes. Talk about that. Okay. Cause there's like people that, you know, they're like, this doesn't seem right, but yeah, maybe haven't looked into it to themselves. So talk yeah. about that. So Jordan Peterson talks about this study a lot. So if you want the actual study and the references and all of that, just literally Google Jordan Peterson gender pay gap study. Um, but basically it's the study that feminists use to show that there's a pay gap between men and women. And, you know, it varies by race and it varies by career, but it's something like um, for every dollar that men make, women make, you know, 50 cents or yeah, you know, it depends on, again, depends on your race and a couple different other factors, but they're, they'll always go, don't you think men and women should make the same money for doing the same job? And you're like, well, yeah, well, that's already, a law it's already legislation in the united states and so you go well why why is it happening and they go because people don't care about the law people are misogynistic and the law is misogynistic yeah. um so that's this is why like there are people who their entire career is literally interpreting statistics because your average person doesn't know how to look at a study and interpret the information like i don't know how to and uh because i ha- i've never studied that and it's very, very complicated. And so they do something called a multivariate analysis where they're looking at all the different factors at play and then they analyze the information. And after doing a multivariate analysis, they discovered that there are several contributing factors to the gender pay gap. One of the things is that they were looking at um, male nurses versus female nurses, for example. Okay. And male nurses make more money than female nurses. Okay, that sounds bad, but yeah. it turns out it's because male nurses typically go and get further education to become very specialized in a field. So they've paid more uh, money to get more education. So a female nurse is more likely to stay um, in interpersonal work where she's directly caring for patients. Males don't typically like that work as much. And so they'll get a specialized training in a field that actually pulls them out of direct care with patients where there's less personal, interpersonal um, interactions. So maybe something in like anesthesiology or doing x-rays, that sort of stuff, radiology. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they'll make more money. Yeah. Are they both on paper nurses? Yeah, they're both technically nurses, but they're they're not differentiating like specialization and level of education within that. So and they're then, not saying, okay, well, and then nurses and then here's all the subcategories of nurses yes exactly okay and then you also have to look at years of experience so uh, there's something like men tend to stay in the same job longer than women do and part of that's because women decide to leave work to go have children Mm -hmm. then so you know then feminists will look at that and go well women shouldn't miss out on career opportunities because they went home to have children and it's like well where are we placing value are we saying that it's more valuable to be making money in the workplace or are we saying it's more valuable to be having children? Cause I think we should be looking at it more like, Oh, that's because leaving work to have children is more important. is more valuable. Well, and I think people need to like women who do think that way <laughs> need to ask where and 
why they think that in the first place. Like, yes. where is this? Where is this coming from? Of you being like, no, I need to have a career. I need to succeed. I need to. Yeah. Be you know like that. That's the question that I would bring up too. Is like. 100%. to somebody if I was talking to them was like what like what why do you think that though and why are you, why like you were saying why are you putting work above you know your ability to bear children and like that that's less important yeah. raising up another generation is less important than you make succeeding yeah. in a career it, and I think that's because culturally we think having children is about us we think yeah. it's about we think it's about like like getting a dog mm -hmm. like having a hobby it's like well, this thing is as good as it makes me happy. And it's like, whoa, yeah. having kids and having a family is not about like happiness. It does bring immense happiness and joy, but it also, it's about like fulfillment and purpose and mission. Mm -hmm. And I think we've just so lost sight of that as a culture, especially as Western cultures. I think mm -hmm. some actually like third world, more traditional nations understand this concept better than we do. No, it's just... Um, crazy because they haven't thrown out the thousands of years of human experience hard evidence <laughs> hard evidence goodness yeah and so those are just some of the things that make up um that gender pay gap study and there yeah it's there are other things like men are typically willing to like stay later work late longer hours uh and again that's because men have more flexibility with their schedule typically than women do because of children um, and, and so it comes back down to like our society and our culture, like does not value family and it doesn't mm. value multi-generational perspective. And that's really what we need. No. Like we need a multi-generational perspective. It is. And that's part of why I think sometimes like Christians, especially from the charismatic world where like, we're really big into faith. They might not like me saying that. I don't think our generation is going to see this. Like it's because we don't just live for our generation. That's what's awesome about like living in the spirit and walking with the Lord. It's like, it's not just about us. Yeah. Like Abraham didn't get to see the promises that God gave him. And that didn't mean that Abraham didn't have enough faith. Abraham's like the father of faith, mm -hmm. you know, like God counted Abraham's faith to him as righteousness. And Abraham did not see the, the fulfillment of God's promises in life because they were multi-generational promises. And then through that comes Jesus. Like, how cool is that? And so that doesn't mean that we failed or not having faith or like I view God as small because I don't think it's going to happen in this generation. It's like, yeah, God can break through and do things. God is powerful and he can do that, but he chooses to partner with us. He chooses to work with us. It's more of a big picture. I think yeah. perspective, I would say, because when you said that, I was like, yeah, I didn't really think about that, you know, because I got what you were saying of like, yeah, you're looking more on a macro level, not on a micro level. And I think yeah. that when we're dealing with an issue like this, <clears throat> that's how you ensure that it's not history isn't repeating itself. Yes. You know, so. Yeah. And just realizing like, you know, this, this is something that the, I'm gonna, I can't believe I'm going to reference this group. The climate change activists want us to do is to think about future generations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think they're right about that part, not necessarily <laughs> what they're talking about, mm -hmm. but the idea of, yeah, we cannot be so selfish and so so like self-focused and having a myopic vision which is very american thing to do yeah. um that it's just like me my career my happiness like yeah. no we are a part of something of thousands of years of something mm -hmm. specifically as believers we're part so as americans we're part of something that's hundreds of years 
uh, a, like a family, if you will. And as Christians, we're a part of something that's 2000 years, but we're really part of something that's a lot older than that because it goes back to Abraham. And this is our heritage. And we are like stewards of this part of the story. And how dare we view ourselves and assume that we're the end of the story. I think right. even like my dad gets really into the end time stuff with this and people who are like so stuck on we're the last generation. And what it's done is just stopped people, generations from progressing. Yeah, come on. I it, like and honestly, too, a lot of that has been uh, what a lot of generations have said. They're like, Jesus is coming back tomorrow. And I'm like, he's coming back. But I think that it's important that you know, Jesus himself said he doesn't know the day or the hour. And That's what I was like, say, yeah. Mm. Well, actually, and I've heard people say they, they break down stuff and they're like, oh, actually what he means by that is. And I'm like, the thing we have to remember about the gospel is that it is simple for a reason. God created yeah. it to be that way. And, and I think that when we look at like things that are said, it's just like this hyper fixation. I'm like, a better way of living is conducting yourself like Jesus is coming back tomorrow. How would you, if you knew Jesus was coming back tomorrow, you'd be like, okay, Lord, and we're getting serious about our walk, you know, like you would be like really hardcore about it. And I think that that's a better way of looking at this is like, hey, yeah. let's conduct ourselves like Jesus is coming back tomorrow, whether he comes back tomorrow or 500 years or 5,000 yeah. years from now, you yeah. know? It's like, live like Jesus was going to, come and look at what you're doing tomorrow but like he's not returning for a thousand years and then yeah. what would you do if you knew he wasn't returning for a thousand years how would you want your future generations to live mm -hmm. and how would you want them to look back at, at what you're doing today mm -hmm. that like set them up to be more connected to truth more connected to the lord more able to be a resource to the community and the world around them yeah like yeah that I think that those are questions that Chris and I are are really trying to go after now as we're starting our family and realizing this is not about us. Like we are holding the hot potato for a second. <laughs> Life is is short. And so what are we going to do with it while it's in our hands and then passes the next generation? Yeah, come on. Probably like the football would be a better example or the I mean, I guess. Not the hot potato, but <laughs> but a hot potato you hold for a second. If you're looking at like the large, like if yeah. you're looking at your lifespan within the the duration that time has existed it yeah. is like a it's like a well, moment yeah. you know um and so yeah it's um there's something i wanted to actually talk to you about because we had mentioned uh star wars last time and i didn't fully explain where i wanted to go with it i had to like really i was making a specific point in there that i was like oh and i had to like resist the urge to like <laughs> go down that path because we were at like 1 30 at that point uh, <laughs> an hour 30. um do you know who sadia khan is no i wish i did she is a relationship therapist um uh she i thought it was a star wars character oh no <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a star wars character doesn't it <laughs> that is amazing no I okay yeah like, i wish i cool. did Sadia Khan. She's based out of, I think, Dubai now, but she's English um, and she's a relationship therapist. I don't agree with everything she says, but I've been seeing her pop up every now and then. And um, she was actually interviewed by a guy who has this like really popular Star Wars channel. And he wanted to hear her thoughts on something very specific. And they're developing a new Star Wars movie and it's being directed by a Pakistani filmmaker named uh, Sharbid 
Obeyed Shinoy, who has been known for making documentaries exploiting horrific things like honor killings happening in Pakistan mm. and things like that. So her worldview is very much shaped by yeah. men in that country. And I'm not blasting every single Pakistani man. So I want to go on a record by right. saying that, but there are some atrocities happening within that country. Definitely, so yeah. she came out recently and she's directing the new star Wars movie. And people are like, this seems like a weird pairing. Like the yeah. whole thing was like anti very feminist driven agenda. She said some very extreme things in the past. And so over uh Christmas break, she was being interviewed and, and, and they asked like, you know, Hey, what, what are your thoughts on star Wars? And she's like, she said, uh, it's about time a woman shaped the galaxy far, far away, which got everybody's eyes rolling. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. Um, because we're like, well, first off, the lead, the, the head of Lucasfilm is a female. And I said last time, disproportionately over 50% of the employees there now are females. You know, they've been pushing a lot of female agendas yeah. and I mean, I could go on and on and on. Okay. Um, so Sadia Khan was asked about this. He, 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 uh, said that quote I said to you and she immediately started rolling her eyes and I was like, okay, this is going to be good. I thought she was going to be like, oh, but women and women power. And I wanted to hear your thoughts on this because she said something to the effect of this. She said, what happens with women who have it easy in the, uh, in, uh, have it easy and she's referring to people in the west uh they and 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 they enjoy victimhood she said um she said number one victimhood is shortcutting sympathy Mm. she said what happens is that they begin to look for areas where they believe they're a victim and then they say they want to transform it so that they can be the heroes of said whatever Mm. and i found that really interesting there's more to what she said if i find the clip i'll send it to you because it's worth I That's thought what she had to say was really insightful. Um, but I wanted to hear your thoughts on that because we talked a little bit last time about male dominated spaces and we we're talking about how men, like we have this nothing box, this thing that <laughs> nothing exists in and we go and we shut off everything and we yep. tune out. And what I've been noticing lately within arts and entertainment is like, Hey, uh, you were relaxing while I have you here. Let me tell you about this oppressed group or let me brainwash you into thinking that this group is oppressed, you know? Um, but I wanted to talk to you about this whole idea of like Western society, specifically as it pertains to women and maybe looking for things that aren't there or, you know, you know, you're again, it's that whole thing we're talking about with like the LGBTQ movement where it's like, suddenly you're like feeling sad and depressed. And it's like, Hey, I know this you're actually a woman trapped in a man's body or vice versa. And it's that kind of idea. So I just would love to hear your thoughts on this. If there's anything coming to mind as I've been talking, there's gotta be some psychological truth here connected that I don't understand because I'm not a therapist um, (laughs) or psychologist, but I think we do this with everything. Mm -hmm. Like uh, people will do it with, relationships with their marriage with their friendships with um their race like whatever it is i I think that's such a profound statement that she said because we want to be the victim and the hero Mm -hmm. makes so much sense and i think also part of this is like a shortcut of us um actually feeling like compassion for ourselves 
which happens when we accept God's grace for, for us and God's love for us. Like I noticed that when I really like am accepting God's like incomparable love for me and having compassion towards myself, you you don't act like a victim. Mm-hmm. You actually feel like very empowered mm-hmm. and, and God gets to be the hero of mm-hmm. the story. <laughs> um, but I really feel like social media has just turned the like turn this up to another level. I have to be very careful with what I consume because I'm very empathetic. And so I'll feel what somebody else is feeling and people will, it's just like you're trying to say, they'll create content online and they'll like try to get you to like get in their shoes and then um, kind of say, okay, so this thing in their life is this thing in my life, even though they might actually like not be the same at all, mm-hmm. not be related at all. Mm-hmm. And this thing is the same as my life. And what it reminds me of, this is like hot take for a moment here. <laughs> there was that commercial a few years ago that was comparing the NFL to the slave trade. I don't know if you remember that. Oh yeah. Okay. That who was, was who crazy. was who was that that was I don't even know who it was. I don't remember. I just remember being like shocked. First of all, could you imagine if we like brought a slave from the 1800s like Louisiana and we showed them how NFL players are existing and we were like this is the same as you. Like they would be like, what? This person is making tens of millions of dollars a year. Colin Kaepernick. Yes. That was who it was. Yeah. Thanks, Eric. Oh, is he the one that made it? Okay. Yeah. 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 He is a fascinating individual. So Colin yeah. Kaepernick, <laughs> yeah. I know some things about him. He was adopted by a white family. Yeah. I think he's like disavowed his childhood. It's so crazy, which they allowed him to become a professional athlete. Like it's just, it's just wild. Um, their, their sacrifice, their love for him, all those things. And then he's like, peace out, you're white. Um, so that commercial to me is like a great example because when you watch it, it's very compelling. I could feel it. I could feel, I could, I could empathize with somebody being like, yes, I am just, I'm just a, a person who's owned by whatever the, um, the, the I can't even think of a sports team. Mm. This sports the, team. The, yeah, this uh, sports. I'm owned by sports team. The yeah. Los Angeles Rams. There we yeah, go. There I can think of one. Um, I'm just owned <clears throat> by them. And, you know, I'm a black man. And I think this comes back down to the issue we we're talking about earlier, even with like LGBTQ stuff. The solution is to address like the brokenness and the pain that exists inside of you, the areas of you that feel rejected hopefully take that to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And maybe also you need like professional help in the process of that. And that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Um, but addressing that rejection and the trauma that exists because you are not the same as a, as an enslaved person in 1800s in Louisiana. It is not the same to, to right. compare those is just absolutely. Insulting. It is so <laughs> insulting. Yeah. None of us have a remote idea of what it's like. Well, he's richer than us. You know, I'm like, you want to talk about opportunity and like living in abundance and you have these rich, like people saying, oh, we're, we've been oppressed. I'm like, I mean, you have way more money than I do. Like you have more, way more opportunity than I do. Yes. And I mean, let's say, let's give the benefit of the doubt that everything that critical race theory claims is true, Mm -hmm. which I don't 
Right. But for the sake of the uh, argument, for the sake of this argument, let's yeah. say that it is still not comparable to what an enslaved person went through in the United States yeah. during the slave trade. Yeah. Like those atrocities were beyond what we can imagine today. Mm-hmm. And I would say it's probably similar for like sex trafficking, human trafficking, things like there, there are horrors that we can't even imagine. Yeah. And so I think we have to be careful when we watch movies, when we consume media, I think, especially as women um, and probably certain personalities of men, we have to be careful with the media that we're consuming, that we are not feeding ideas in ourselves self-conscious, subconsciously that we are a victim. And I kind I call this um, killing the feminist on your shoulder in my book, but mm-hmm. it's like a little voice that tells you, you know, that joke that your husband made <laughs> that was really sexist. He's a, he's sexist and he'll never understand you. Oh man. And you're yeah. just, you're a victim. He controls everything like that kind of self-talk is is just not gonna help you flourish and thrive as a woman and if you want to actually feel empowered you got to get rid of that voice you got to get rid of that voice that's speaking those things and you got to embrace the voice that's like oh your husband probably had a hard day Mm -hmm. like an empowered person is not looking for victimhood and everything they're looking imagining that they're actually like this the benevolent king or queen who can come and make someone else's day better when I view myself that way, like I, I am solid in my identity. Like, oh, I'm God's favorite. Like, you know, we're no, all his uh, favorite. Exactly. Yeah, but I'm God's favorite. He loves yeah. me so much, and I'm so full of his love. And wow, I can be like, I can really need his grace. We'll put it that way. In so many areas, I'm so thankful that he has so much grace on me. That perspective is what enables you to then be kind and loving to to others and have a humble response to them instead of a haughty response instead of like the pharisees where you've got a log in your eye and you're pointing out the speck in someone else's eye Mm -hmm. yeah well and you have a quote actually here that um i guess you could comment to this sort of in closing it says we are neither goddesses nor slaves by design and i heard that i remember i was walking around listening and immediately ran to grab something (laughs) and wrote it down i was like that that's really good. So explain, like, yeah. talk about that a little bit more. Yeah. Okay. This comes back to the two ditches. Um, one of the ditches as people, as women have been trying to find like, who are we? What is, what is our purpose? There's gotta be like a deeper, more important reason for our existence. When the Lord isn't involved in that answer, there's this whole like goddess culture. I call it, um, that has really sucked us in because people are recognizing like a true thing as a divine spark in femininity. And there's a divine spark in masculinity as well. Um, and that's because it's, there's, there's things that are pointing us to God because we're made in his image. Um, and when they see that and they don't know to attribute it to the Lord, it, there can become a self-worship. Hmm. Wow. I have the divine feminine spirit living in me <laughs> and I'm just like, wow. And, and, and it gets, like into self-worship and again it usually goes into some pagan kind of stuff or occult kind of stuff and then a lot of times turns into lesbianism because it's a it's a such a worship of the female body and Mm -hmm. female ways of being that then the next logical step is to like be united sexually to that um and so that's that's one ditch and the other one is to say 
Well, we were designed for, for essentially slavery. We were created as the help meet and help me, you know, that's just, we're the helper. We're like a servant. You're the breeders. Yeah. The breeders we are, um, you know, it's the fundamentalist, the hyper fundamentalist view of women Mm -hmm. and womanhood. And we're neither of those things. Yeah. We are, we are not designed to be goddesses. We should not be worshiped. There's no part of us that's like so awesome and amazing that we're worthy of that. (laughs) We're, we're meant to, you know, we need to honor the masculine and feminine and the image of God in others. There's dignity to that, but, but the way we manifest it is imperfect, but also we're not designed for, for slavery. Like we were not created for that either. We were designed for, to choose to serve others. And that's very different because it's, we're not victims. We are empowered to choose to serve others. And, you know, as wives, we get to, we are empowered to choose to serve our husbands and to choose to serve our children. And as daughters, we're empowered to choose to serve our families. Um, as believers, we're empowered to choose to serve the community of the church. And maybe that's like actually in the church, or maybe that's just through serving other believers, mm-hmm. you know? So it's just, it's different. The world would like to try to pigeonhole us. In one yeah. thing. And it's like, no. Actually, I don't well, like I think, that. Yeah, I think too, there's like, you create this weird, you, like, and I see this actually not just in feminism. I see this in a lot of different things, even the church in some ways. Um, but it's this thing where it's like, <clears throat> there's this divorcing from our individuality. And obviously, okay, big, I know I threw the church in there. I'm aware of all the theology talking about we're dead, Jesus lives, yeah. we're of the same body. But God also, we cannot forsake the individual and the things that God is having us, you do. Whoever's listening, there are things that God has placed in your heart Mm -hmm. and he is ushering you into those things if you allow him to. But there's this kind of mob mentality where it's like you all become conformed to this group think, this specific vision, and you don't even know why. Like That's why when you see like Steven Crowder, you see Charlie Kirk, you see um, uh, even like uh, Fleck his talks. I don't know if you've yeah. ever watched him. He'll, he'll, uh, I know Eric likes Fleck his talks. So I threw that one in there. Um, <laughs> he's fist pumping. Um, uh, but they'll confront- hang out with him once at a turning point event. Oh, yeah. And I asked for a picture and it was one of the cringiest moments of my life. Really? But I got the picture. <laughs> Why was it cringy? Because <laughs> I was just so weird. I was like, I might have even been pregnant and just went up and been like, Hi, I love your show. Can I get a picture with you? I just felt, I felt so weird. Yeah, you were fangirling. Was, and it was just yeah. kind of like, yeah. And we were like in a peer environment. And yeah, it was just, it was weird. You, you like, you did the cringy thing. Yeah, way, but way I love go, his Justice. videos. If, yeah. if you're watching. Yeah, but. Not, but thanks. Yeah, but you know, just in case he is. Um, yeah. But I think that you see this, this kind of facade break down when you're confronted with when you just ask genuine questions, you know, and there's a lot of criticism from people. Uh, so I, I, I'm trying to remember why I even went down this road. You said something. I'm sorry. I had... but, yeah. We got derailed because I had to know the cringe story. Uh, but um, I appreciate the Not transparency. Not goddesses justice. or um, or slaves. Yeah. I don't know. But it was a point that I made. So I'm sure if I went back and listened to it, I'd be like, oh, I'm yeah, so we got we, I made my point, but I, I was going to rabbit trail. Just I was going to tie it back. I was, I was going to tie it back and I didn't tie it back. It's okay. Um, we got two thirds of the way there. Um, 
but yeah, I just think that there is this also this thing of like, uh, it's because it's almost like group think and I'm trying, <clears throat> I'm, try I'm trying to remember why I even said uh, that. I can't remember, but it's okay. I made my point. I'm sorry. We got it. It's okay. Yeah, no, but people have been really, uh, enjoying, enjoying this conversation and, uh, yeah. Uh, Jillian and Eve and Rachel and all of them, the usual suspects, all fantastic ladies um, have been really enjoying this. Uh, but so you guys, if you have not picked up her book, I strong, strongly recommend. Also, if any of you are even guys and you've got a sister or, uh, you know, maybe even a your girlfriend. wife who's curious about this subject, like maybe you have a girl that you want to be your girlfriend and you want to make sure you're on make the sure it page. checks out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's always kind of the litmus test. I think when Lauren yeah. and I met, it was like this wasn't definitely wasn't as prevalent because I mean, we met in two thousand eight. But it, uh, it very quickly it was like because I lay everything out on the table too, and she was she checked out of all the boxes. That's legit. so good. I was like, there we go. That's what I'm talking <laughs> about. Uh, I'm keeping this one. Uh, so, and she, I'm sure she said the same thing. She did say the same thing. Um, okay, I'm I'm delaying ending the show. Uh, Okay, so Justice, I would love for you if there's any last remarks you have, but also just to just to pray to kind of close this thing yeah. out. Uh, but yeah, if you have any last remarks, please lay okay. lay it on us. My last remarks are an emotional ploy because this weekend is my thirtieth birthday. Woo! So for my birthday, you guys should go and buy my book because it'll make my day. And not only that, buy it as a gift for someone else too. So for my birthday if you could mm. do that. <laughs> mm. just kidding that's that's a little manipulative um you <laughs> buy want. 30 of them because she's turning 30 exactly yeah exactly. up the ante yeah um no i'm just kidding i'm so so thankful for all of you who have already purchased and who've been participating in the conversation and mm. talking about everything online with me we've had some good talks on social media and i'm really really excited um it's cool when people who have different views come to my page and they're like ready to fight and just having conversations because I, I don't like to talk that way with people. I like to more like cool things off and then like have a really respectful conversation. So that's been cool to to have some of those recently. Yeah. My mom um, calls that being medium. Like just be medium. Like, oh, I like have, that. Let's just have a conversation. Like just be medium. Yes. You don't have to be one way or the other. Like let's just. That's great. Just be medium. That's such a good way to say yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Just like cooling the fire, cool the jets a little bit. It's okay. Yeah. Um, anyways, so that's been really great. Um, I'll go ahead and, and pray. But yeah, thank you so much for for listening this long to the yeah. conversation. Yes, thank you. Really everybody. Into this topic if you're still here. <laughs> yeah, they are. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Well, Lord, I just thank you so much for everybody who's listening and watching. I just ask that you would move in our hearts, move in my heart, move in everybody who's watching, listening their hearts and just expose areas where we are allowing culture to define who we are and what we believe, what we do, how we're functioning instead of you and that you just come in and bring just that sweet conviction that doesn't bring shame, but that just brings change and empowerment and true empowerment. Lord, we just invite you in to our lives and to every aspect of it, that you would help us to view our lives as multi-generational, as a part of this bigger whole, this bigger story that you're telling, and that you would help us to just be connected to your story, to what you're doing, to the story you're wanting to tell, 
to your um, who you've said we are as the character in the story, who our identity is, Lord, that you would just establish that in each of us in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. Amen. 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 All right. So everybody, this is what I want you to do. If you have not already, here is the photographic evidence that the book exists. <laughs> here also in my hand is the book. It is fantastic. And you know me, I don't endorse books unless I genuinely think they're legit. So um, this one is legit and it's going to be worth wow, the time. Wow, I got the Jeff. You the got Jeff the Jeff Tharp, Elijah Fire. <laughs> you could put it on the book in your next print. People are like, what is Elijah Fire? <laughs> so, yeah. They probably um, know what it is. The guy's seal of approval. Uh, <laughs> no, so please check that out, you guys. Obviously, uh, link is in the description to the uh, just the book itself, or you can get the book journal pen combo in the pen justice also is refillable, right? Yes. Look at that. You can put in a new cartridge if it goes dead. It's like That's... such a nice, like heavy pen. Ooh, it's not a junky yeah. pen. It's no. not a janky one. No. Yeah. It's so, a really good one. Yeah. So link is in the description to that. You guys, justice, how can people follow you? Um, at Justice Hope Keel on Instagram. My last name is said differently than it looks. It's not so cool. If you're listening, it's K-U-E-H-L. Yeah. Justice Hope Keel. Um, that's the best way because I'll I post updates on all the other platforms. Hmm. About the other platforms on my Instagram. So Boom. that's the best place to follow. And also justicekeel.com is where you can learn more about my book. If you want to have me speak at your event or Ooh, do a podcast with me, you can reach out go. to me there. So we can have more conversations if you had questions. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So everybody, her birthday is this weekend. Please <laughs> apply from me. I never ask you to do anything besides a lot of things. But please <laughs> go go buy a book if you have it. If you've been sitting on the fence, uh, you won't regret it. So Justice and Low Keel. Thank you so much. This was fantastic. You and I could clearly, I have to cut these things off because I'm like, there's a lot more I wanted to say. But, I know. Yeah. Great conversations. Thank you so much for having me. It's Absolutely. Always, always a blast. Yeah. So everybody, that's our show. Tune in tomorrow, which is Thursday. We've got Cindy McGill back in the house. She just got back from a porn convention and she's going to be in. Wow. Okay. I need some context for yeah. people. <laughs> like, what? I'm she like, goes what? to porn conventions for those who don't know. And she witnesses to people in a very wow. unique way. And so we're going to, she's got some great testimonials. Uh, she's going to be joined with um, someone Amazing. from her team. And we're going to be talking all about it. It's going to be fantastic. So that's at 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Five... Dude, I've been botching these lately. I just get so like, <laughs> <laughs> guys, you know the drill. We got we, every day at 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time <laughs> with Cindy McKill. We love you guys and we'll see you then. Okay, bye. This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every weekday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahFire.com slash give for more info on how you can donate today. 